0: Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hi, I'm Linda Regano, co-host of the WAM Podcast. It's an honor to be your host today, where I get to introduce listeners to inspiring women who are making a real difference. With our podcast, you'll get to hear inspirational stories, both personal and professional challenges our guests have overcome, how their backgrounds help to shape who they are today, and how they're empowering others and giving back to their communities and oftentimes the world. Joining me today, I'm very excited to have Joanna Hall, who is Executive Director of the US Coalition on Sustainability. Joanna leads an exclusive team of technologists who believe that data, talent, and technology already exist to solve our world's biggest problems think climate crisis. As you're about to hear, Joanna is incredibly bright, compassionate and optimistic. And she's also a master jugular, building a company and raising a family. Not easy today, but enough from me. Come meet Joanna. Joanna, welcome. It's so wonderful to have you.
1: Hi, Linda. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here.
0: Joanna, you have such an interesting background. Could you share with our listeners a little bit more about you and growing up?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. I grew up in a very sort of average town. I grew up in Newark, Delaware, which is a college town. Both of my parents were professors. Very proud to say that I'm from Delaware now with with Biden as, as our president. What was probably most unique and formative for me growing up was that my mother is French. My father is British. All of our relatives lived abroad. And so we got to travel an enormous amount growing up, not only travel to visit family, but also travel living in different countries. So I got to go to school in Bordeaux for a year. I got to go to school in Toulouse when I was in high school. And so for me growing up, being exposed not only to different you know, cultures and education systems but also, my my mother is from a sort of North African Jewish family, very <laughs> intense culture, very loud, very lovely, lots of intense, spicy, you know, cooking. <laughs> That's great. And then being thrown into like my father, right, outskirts of Leeds, very, you know, formal and calm and British and quiet and just the juxtaposition, right, of those cultures and families and the immersion and then having to like adapt quickly, I think for me is probably one of the biggest things that I've taken with me as an adult is that the the ability to adapt and listen and learn based on a, you know different perspectives and cultures.
0: That's really important. And and what about early influencers or mentors?
1: Honestly, my family. Right. I, I again, my parents being professors, they they were always teaching, right? They never just stopped. Everything was a learning opportunity. It was a learning lesson. When when we were traveling, it was about the history. When we were at home, my dad was a scientist, right? So there was always a lesson behind everything. And for me, that, that means that it instilled in me sort of a, a curiosity, right? An ability to both learn new things, but also enjoy to learn. And so... You know my my career i I really kind of spanned a lot of different you know industries and so forth, and it, it means that I'm constantly learning, but I'm enjoying it right and i'm I'm open to throwing myself into something new because I, I know that I can adapt quickly
0: right. What a wonderful gift that that was to give to you and you do you have a very diverse career track, but there's definitely a running theme going on here with entrepreneurship, technology and sustainability. Why is this? And what attracted you to these areas?
1: It's interesting. I've been doing a lot of reflecting on my career recently. I think many of us have, right? With the pandemic, we're home, our whole life is kind of thrown into this state of uh, assessment, if you will. Sure. Or awakening. I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. I went to a very creative grade school growing up that was sort of formed by a bunch of hippies. You know, we had workshop week. It was we we called our teachers by their first names. There were no grades, right? Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really unique. But I've always just loved to solve problems, right? And I and I love the energy of solving new problems, tackling new issues, and frankly, I get very impatient with you know, went through the status quo, right? That's always been a, a running theme. Technology was really just a means to an end. So to me, technology is a tool, right? And as an entrepreneur and being involved in so many sort of startups, you recognize at some point, and I did a few years back, that it is one of the most critical tools out there, right? In terms of solving problems at scale. And so for me, it was very much, I, I really need To be, This can't be an Achilles heel for me, right? If I want to be successful and I want to be able to drive meaningful change, I have to be comfortable with technology. And so, again, it was a question of, all right, I have to throw myself into it.
0: On that path, you co-founded two companies, right? Originate and then Brightline. Can you tell us about that?
1: My current partner, actually, Jacqueline Corbell, I helped her co-found her company, Brightline. Started off as about three of us as a high-end creative Services boutique, creative agency. And we rapidly scaled the business and we were designing and building and implementing interactive television digital experiences for major brands, 20 Unilever brands, American Express, Home Depot, um, and essentially building, you know, think of them as like microsites, but on television. And this was the days of sort of brand entertainment, so it was it was doing incredibly well in those formative years. So so we scaled to you know nearly a hundred employees. We we got to sort of I get to, got to be part of growing a, a business, sort of informing a, a culture, and then becomes your baby. But then I also had to experience pivoting that company when you know we recognized that the market was changing, IPTV was coming, this business model was was no longer kind of sustainable and going to scale. And so I helped lead the pivot from that sort of high-end creative services boutique, right, um, specializing in interactive television to an ad tech platform. And that's when we brought in a CTO, brought in engineers, right and really started building out a technology platform. That was when I had my own realization, right? That, you know, how much there is to know about technology and how critical it is that, you know, that that as an executive, you you really understand it in a different level.
0: And so did that bridge you then to what you're doing today, the U.S. Coalition on Sustainability?
1: Actually, that bridged me to an important moment in my career when it was, okay, fantastic. What an incredible learning experience pivoted, you know, this company, uh, I, I was there for nine years working in the trenches with my, my now current partner. But again, had that moment of, okay, I don't know nearly enough about technology. So was starting to explore technology, innovation opportunities, and then was invited to join Originate as the managing director. And Originate is a uh, software innovation studio, mm-hmm. specializing in bringing innovative MVPs and V1s to market software products. And then also working with large enterprise organizations on their kind of innovation strategies and their innovation labs and studios.
0: I mean, obviously that was a big moment there, but how did that lead you to what you're doing today?
1: So about four years there, building software products, learning as much as I could possibly learn from, you know, minds a thousand times more brilliant than mine, data scientists, machine learning, engineers, product strategists. I sort of realized that we were focusing on the wrong problems, right? Like what you realize about technology is that it has so much power to solve problems at scale, right? Or to create opportunities. Right. And here I was, you know, successfully implementing those, really feeling like I I understood how to bring the right players together to to achieve these ambitious outcomes. But the problems that we were solving, right, didn't, I mean, this is in my humble opinion, right? Relative to the climate crisis, right? (laughs) Relative to... You know, modern slavery and all these issues, these massive systemic issues, are, you know, for humanity, we're just sort of solving the wrong problems, right? So I really just took a huge step back and, and realized that I wanted to find a way to leverage the sort of startup experience, right? The energy, the optimism I have, the technology skills, but apply them right in a, in a capacity that actually was driving some sort of meaningful change. And that's when I hooked up with my current partner, who was also the woman that founded Brightline. She had launched the U.S. Coalition on Sustainability. And I was telling her kind of what I was hoping to do and pivot. And she's like, well, the timing couldn't be better. I just launched the coalition and and we're about to build a a, a change engine. That's
0: sustain chain.
1: And that is sustain chain. Yes, exactly. So tell us about the
0: coalition. Tell us more about what your goals are and how that works. I understand that you're working with the United Nations.
1: Yeah, so the U.S. Coalition on Sustainability is a nonprofit. It was founded at the behest of Amina Mohammed, who is the Deputy Secretary General of the U.N., mm-hmm. and she's the woman who, I mean, many people influenced, but she really is known as the woman who architected the 17 Sustainable Development Goals. The coalition was launched, mm-hmm. and the, the real ask, right, the mandate was, how do we accelerate the pace of change in achieving the SDGs, right? So there are 10 years left, right? In a decade of action, 10 years is the window, right? Within which massive, significant progress needs to be made, right? In order to reverse sort of the, the climate crisis, the humanitarian crisis that we're currently facing.
0: So the goals that she created, can you tell, speak a little bit more about those?
1: Yeah. So the 17 Sustainable Development Goals were designed by the UN in partnership with about 160 plus countries and nations, all coming together to align around this framework right? of goals ultimately designed to help humanity. So the 17 goals cover everything from land saving the oceans, green infrastructure, ending poverty, right? Fair labor and wages, diversity, climate. I mean, it covers everything. Truly, if we achieve this, right? We live in in utopia, at least a much more balanced ecosystem for, for humanity. So it covers everything. It took about five years, right, to get this sort of alignment. It is the master goal framework for humanity, truly. Wow. What is it
0: like working with the United Nations and being part of that team that it doesn't get better, right, to tackle all these world problems?
1: No, it's, it's kind of incredible. I will say, I think that the coalition and sustain chain has carved out a very nice sweet spot, right, which is the UN is working on so many incredible initiatives, right? And it's so massive, right, because of the involvement of so many nations. So it's incredibly powerful but it also means that it's incredibly slow moving right and it is very large and it is very bureaucratic and there's a lot of players and it just it's it's slow it's a behemoth but to be able to be sort of supported by and working directly with right the deputy secretary general and also the office of partnerships we have folks like William Kennedy who have been incredibly instrumental in our trajectory here so sort of like we have that support, right, and that influence from the UN, right, at the same time, we're able to operate, you know, like a lean startup and move very quickly, right, in, in forging, you know, other strategic partnerships and, and in building out the, the technology platform.
0: That is great. So tell us about that. Let's talk about sustain Chain.
1: Sure. So sustain Chain is a technology platform that is essentially unifying and integrating all of the disparate efforts that are happening across the sustainable development goals, the SDG ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So what that means is, you know, there are so many people working on sustainability, right? There's innovation that's happening every day. There's, in, there's investment that's going right into the sustainability ecosystem. There are NGOs solving problems. There are academics tackling things, right? There are collaborations occurring. I mean, there are just uh, an infinite number of sort of islands of good, right, that are all trying to tackle various pieces right? Of the sustainability equation, right? Under the SDGs. Mm -hmm. The real problem is that no one knows who's actually doing what. There is no single source of truth, right? And so if you think about our mission at the coalition, if, if it's about accelerating the pace of change, right? Because we have this window, right? We have 10 years here. There's no shortage of innovation. There's no shortage of money or talent or, you know, people trying to solve the problems. The real issue is a lack of coordination. Mm. If We don't first understand who is doing what and join forces around common challenges. We just won't get there fast enough. And so that's what Sustain Chain is designed to do. It's literally a technology platform that is connecting and unifying all of the players, right, into a common, into a common database and into a common platform.
0: Can you give us an example of a
1: company and how that would work? Sure. So, I mean, we, we have about seven hundred organizations that are now part of the platform. So, from major leaders like you know Patagonia and Mara Hoffman to you know smaller organizations that are you know innovating new solutions, right, with mycelium to provide new kinds of fabric, right, for Patagonia and Mara Hoffman to, to leverage that's more sustainable. To organizations like Apex and Closed Loop Partners who are investing in those innovations and those solutions, right, that require scale, right, in order to achieve the tipping point of adoption. So, yeah, about 700 organizations that are essentially... Each sharing their own challenges, their own, right, projects in progress, and creating this visibility and awareness, this transparency around what they're each working on so that they can join forces and, and collaborate. Incubating mini collaborations on a singular platform so everyone can, you know, join, participate, share, learn from each other
0: they're not only giving you information that's going to go into this, but they're able to then access it for their own knowledge.
1: Exactly right.
0: Okay. So you've got 700 organizations. That's quite a bit. What's the goal?
1: The goal is truly mass adoption. As wild and as as ambitious as that sounds, right? This is a free platform. It is purpose-built. It is designed to be sort of the you know, a a social media engine, right? But for good and a social engine for change where everyone can come and understand who's doing what. So consumers can come and say, you know what? I don't want to read the marketing report, right? I don't want, I really want to know who's leading, who's doing what, who's actually taking action, right? What are my favorite brands truly doing for organizations to come and learn from each other and say, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm a new brand that's launching. I want to understand what good looks like, right from a Patagonia, from those leaders. It it really is designed to help facilitate that sustainability for all players, regardless of kind of where you are currently on that, on that trajectory.
0: That's fabulous. And it's free. If it's free, how are you continuing to do this?
1: We are currently funded by a very generous family. It's the Gross family, the Blue Chip Foundation. And they have supported this, this mission from day one. And so, you know, currently it is foundation, right? And, and, and grant supported. Mm-hmm. And we hope to continue in that path, right? Where the goal is to keep it as free and frankly, as low of a barrier to entry as possible. You know, what's happening right now is that we're forging very interesting strategic partnerships with with sort of technology platforms and other players, right? The goal is for this to actually become an open source, self-regulated community that isn't just sort of owned and operated and run right by the the U.S. coalition, but actually increasingly is taken over and run by the community itself.
0: That is something. That's a big goal. That's amazing.
1: And that's how we'll get to scale, right? It can't be operated by a single entity in our our mind. It really is more about building the foundation for this to become sort of a a collective.
0: So for you personally, what is your vision for yourself going down the road?
1: Oh, that's a big question. (laughs) It's evolving every day, I think. I'm at a stage in my career, I, I pivoted a couple times, right? And the most recently was, okay, I, I really need to focus on bringing my energy to something I I believe in, right? That I, that I think is going to give back. And I, I'm just going to continue to feed that energy, I guess, right? I, I feel like I'm increasingly at a, at, a, at a place where I'm, I hate the word balance. That's not it. There's no balance in terms of the family life dynamic. That's not not that kind of balance, but balance in terms of like giving energy and then receiving energy from the work that I do that helps me continue, right? And feel really good about it. That That is the kind of balance that I've now struck, but it needs to constantly be recalibrated. And the one thing that I know at this stage, right, in my life is that I think it's important to constantly take a big step back, right? Give yourself some perspective, right? Do a little bit of a retrospective on your own career and say am I where I want to be? Is this right? Right. I'm putting a lot of energy into it. Am I getting the same kind of energy back? And so I I don't know. I can't answer that question other than to say I'm much more nimble, right. Than I've ever been. And I think every sort of every few months I take a big step back and I say, okay, this is going incredibly well. I want to feed this, you know, feed this energy, feed the coalition, feed this vision, this mission, but what does it need to continue? Right. And what do I need to continue in my own in my own career as well.
0: You're doing something that you believe in and that you're passionate about. I mean, that's beautiful. Along the way, you've obviously come into contact and met with all sorts of inspiring people. Of the people that you've met over the past years, who has inspired you the most and why?
1: There's three people that I I always, when I'm asked this question, that I think of. One is my current partner. So Jacqueline Corbelli, the the founder of the coalition and the woman that I I co-founded Brightline with, she is legitimately fearless. She's just one of these people that has such ruthless conviction, right? It's magnetic. She's just one person and I constantly try to channel that, right? Which is I'm overly empathetic, right? I really, I feel very deeply, which means that I'm often picking up all the signals, right? Which can sometimes dilute your ability to be focused. So I'm often channeling her because she is just so she is so fearless right in 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 her conviction and i think you need that kind of brutal focus for the for the kind of work that for the kind of work that we're doing
0: right and it sounds like it's a great partnership
1: it's a fantastic partnership i mean i think we're we're very much a, a yin and yang and it's it's why you know i think it's why we've been able to move so fast right we worked together for 9 years in the trenches on a sort of private sector business model and now we're applying that same kind of sort of you know, dynamic, mutual understanding, right? To apply that intensity in a a very important kind of role. That's great. So the other woman is Alexandra Lutz. She has been my mentor for some time. We were actually on other sides of the agency, almost bidding against each other on on a big client many years ago. And we just formed a deep friendship. She's just absolute brilliant, Brilliant. But she manages the tension between heart and truth in a way that I've never seen done. She can both be so caring and nurturing and listening and understanding, right? And compassionate and all those things that I think you need to be in a good leader, but ruthless and raw and honest, like she never holds back, right? And I've seen that with clients. I've seen that with employees. I've seen the way that she manages the team, the way she speaks with me. It's hard to manage that tension, right? Because so many people are either bringing that raw truth in a way that then really lands and helps drive change because it's a little brutal, right? And it's a little tough to hear sometimes. But many people hold back because they don't want to hurt someone's feelings or, you know, they're, they're, they're just trying to do both. She manages the two brilliantly. I can't explain it. And the third person? And the third person is is my daughter, my six year old. Ah. she just has such spirit and confidence. I've never, I haven't even seen in an adults, and I just hope that that you know remains forever. This like raw, confident spirit. She doesn't care what anybody thinks. Her friends, her parents, like nothing. She's never gonna be pushed around. It's it's beautiful to see every day. And it it really is inspiring.
0: Oh, it's wonderful. Look, she's getting it from somewhere. So you're you're doing something right there. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I don't know where she gets it from, but she's far more confident than I'll ever be.
0: Which which kind of leads us nicely to, you know, my next question, which is how do you juggle it all? You've got a family, you've got two young children, you're running a business. How do you do it? What's your secret?
1: Oh, there is no secret. There are just good days and there are bad days. Okay. It is... It is challenging, but it's also such a gift. I don't believe in balance. I believe in just understanding and accepting that there are ups and downs. And if anything, if anything, acknowledging, I think the the one sort of I wouldn't call it a secret, but the one thing that has helped me over the years is not to be hard on myself in the moments where it is particularly challenging, right? It's easy to say, oh my gosh, you know, I'm 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 failing or I, you know, I I yelled or I this or I that, right? Instead of just saying, okay, that, that was a bad moment, right? That was, that was a tough day, but this will pass. Don't overanalyze it. Don't harp on it because it's just a day, right? Or it was just a moment. And so I think letting go is really, really important. I am fully, fully present on weekends. So as much as the weeks are a constant juggling act, right? Kids are you know, jumping in and out of Zoom. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just constant management, right? On weekends, I absolutely shut down and I am as present as I possibly can be. And I try to create new experiences and basically take us out of our own elements. Whether that's hiking, you know, a lot of being outside, a lot of time with the kids is the way that we sort of rebuild, right? Rebuild, reconnect after what are, what are frankly tough weeks, right? In terms of managing, managing everything.
0: I love that. That's wonderful. A wise friend once told me in the times when I'm beating myself up, she'd say, beat yourself up with a feather, which reminds me what you're doing. So, Joanna, if you could have one superpower, what would that be and why?
1: I'll answer this truthfully, but don't make fun of me. I promise not to make fun of you. (laughs) I would be like a nature whisperer. I think that there are so many truths, nature Holds right, and I, I just think as as humans we've evolved to this point right, be, partly because of technology, you know, just society, the way things work. Like we're so disconnected from nature, but it holds so many answers and so much truth. And I just think I'd be able to channel that.
0: I love that. I have. I have. No one has ever said anything close to that. I love that. <laughs> Oh, and how true, how true, and how great that what you're doing is going to hopefully influence quite a bit of nature as we, uh, you know, hopefully get get a handle on climate control.
1: Yes, yes, I hope so.
0: Yeah, Joanna, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your journey and and your vision for a better future. For all my listeners out there, for more information about Joanna Hall, you can go to, and Joanna, you want to give us the website?
1: Sure. You can go to sustainchain2030.com to learn more about Sustain Chain and also the, uh, the coalition and the work that we're doing.
0: Perfect. All right. And also, if you want to link or connect with Joanna on LinkedIn, feel free to do so. So thanks. Thanks for everybody for listening. We look forward to our next show. Stay tuned for more great stories with empowering women like Joanna Hall.
1: Thank you, Linda. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for joining the WAM Podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing.
0: For more shows like this, go to wampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.